0: We're listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to LiveResurgence.com. We are here. We are in our homes tonight. This pandemic carries on. And uh, welcome to my house. (laughs) You're in my kitchen. Welcome. Would anyone like some coffee, some tea? I mean, we're we're here and we're still doing this. And I think when we had the last resurgence, I was standing over there in front of my fireplace and thought, okay, we'll do this, and then we'll be back in churches. We're not, and um, we're together. But we're together tonight in our homes. And I just believe that God's just put a word in my heart to share with you. And um, you know, there's a lot of noise that's happening right now. And our heart of tonight isn't to increase the noise. Um, or to have another thing that you need to view or consume, or because there's a lot of that. But our, our heart in what we did tonight as all those that have led up to now and, and with the word that God's given me is to provide a platform for the Holy Spirit to come into your home tonight and, and to minister peace to you, to move and to heal, to transform, to save, to set you free, to move in power. And that's what resurgence is about. That's why we do what we do. That's why we gather more my- monthly, and now gather online, is because we believe the power of the Holy Spirit changes lives. Jesus changes everything, and I want to talk about Jesus and his power to change our life, and and the thought that I have tonight is, what does it look like to be human? What does it look like to be human? You may say, Travis, that's kind of a weird topic, and you know, um, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth. And in Matthew 1, verse 23, the angel came to Joseph. Remember Joseph and Mary? And it says, Behold, the Virgin Mary shall be with child and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The the word Emmanuel was used 700 years earlier. Uh, God actually, or Isaiah actually said it to Ahaz and said, Emmanuel will come. Emmanuel. What does that mean? It means God with us. God is with us. Another phrase you could say is God in skin. God not distant. God not up in the sky, but actually God here. God with us. Jesus was Emmanuel. He came. He answered that prophecy. He came. He changed a narrative of a distant God, a God way out there, to a God that's right here, in our homes tonight, with us. Yes, he was full deity and God. And, and yes, he was fully human. It's this crazy mystery of it all. He came to provide a way to God. He he came and lived a sinless life so we could have this relationship that that actually fell away when Adam and Eve had a bite of that apple in the garden. See, the New Testament is clear. Jesus had a human body. John 1.14 says, the flesh, the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. See, he was born. The Bible says He grew. He grew tired at times. He got thirsty. He got hungry. He got physically weak. He died. And he had a real human body when he was resurrected. He, he actually also had a human heart, the Bible says. He marveled at things. His soul was sorrowful at times. He, he was, even to death, it was sorrowful. He, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled at times. He offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears, Hebrews 5, 7 declares. He also had a human mind. Luke said in chapter 2 that he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. He didn't even know the hour of his death, he said. He said, he goes, he, he had a will. He said, not my will, but your will, Father, he prayed. See, Jesus was fully human, and he did everything but sin. This is a great mystery. And I pondered this idea today and tonight, God with us. Do, do, do we fully get it? Do we fully understand it? See, I think sometimes I can, I'm confused about how I see Jesus. And I think we can get confused that Jesus came to show me how to be God, to be divine and to do all these great things. And there's this pressure we feel to live up to, to live up to this divineness that maybe he calls us to. But can I suggest, yes, he came to show us the Father, but he also came to show us how to be human, how to live our human lives. You know, the pastors that we've recently heard that, commit, that have committed suicide tragically, it wasn't that they forgot the scriptures, because they studied it. It was that they forgot they were human. They forgot that they, they needed to rest. See, Jesus never forgot his humanity. He rested. He pulled away from crowds at times to rest. He took care of his body, of his emotions, of his will, of his mindset. He was trying to teach his disciples to be human. And in John 16, he says, you will have trouble, guys. You're going to have tribulation. Stuff's going to happen. But be of good cheer. Don't fear. I am with you. See God with us. And I think we put pressure on ourselves that Jesus expects super Christian in tights and a cape, that he came to show us that. And we get this talk all super spiritual and we talk in our fancy language, even in the King James Version, if we want. We get super non-real and we get super non-vulnerable. We we say things that sound good. We quote some scriptures. But we can't stand the mystery or the unknown, so we ignore the doubt. We ignore the questions. We ignore the things deep in our heart. We suppress humanity until someday the dam breaks and we can't hold it anymore. See, we weren't made to sustain it. A global pandemic, I think, might speed up that dam breaking in us because there's questions that we don't know the answers to. It's questioning moment. How mature are we in our faith? How deep do our roots actually go? When everything is shaken, will we be shaken right now? See, Jesus was never threatened by questions. He was never threatened by doubt. He he actually chose Thomas to be one of his disciples, doubting Thomas. Even though I'm inspired by Jesus and and, and he's he's a role model and someone I look to, I understand his humanity, but the fact that he never sinned is sometimes really honestly hard to relate to because I've sinned, you've sinned, we we all sin. How can I live like that? But when I look at the life of the people he called, the 12 that he called, he he called 12 people. And I think the God part of him would have known, okay, this guy's going to betray me. These few are going to try to kill each other and talk about how great they are. You know, some are going to deny, one's going to deny me. Somebody's going to doubt me. All these things. But he still called them. I don't know if I was Jesus in that time and I knew all that. Would I have called that team? I don't think so. They weren't the A team. They weren't the B team. I don't even think they were the C or the D team. I mean, this group was not your best choice by man's opinion. But Jesus chose them. And I'm so thankful he did because it gives hope to me. It gives hope to you. It gives hope that he can use us, that he can use us in our brokenness, in our sin, in our in our gongshowness of life, in us, and, and he sees us and, and he wants to use us. He picked them. He poured his life into them. He loved them. And he actually left his entire legacy to them. That's incredible. You know, the disciples spend all this time with Jesus. And you know, at one point they're feeding the five thousand, and it's incredible. And Jesus is probably going on to his like fifth altar call. I don't know. He's Jesus, so he's doing these things, and and they're getting tired. And he's like, "Hey boys, you go ahead. I'll catch up to you. You row in your boat, and I'm gonna come walk on water." He doesn't tell them that, but he ends up coming. And and when he comes on the water to them, they're they're, they're busy. They're tired. They've been rowing all night. And he shows up walking. They freak out because they're like, "It's a ghost." And no, it's Jesus. And I often think about how these disciples who spent so much time with Jesus could confuse him with a ghost. Here, Jesus has come to bring life. Jesus is life. I mean, he's life abundantly. That's why he's on earth. I mean, they've spent every moment with him. And all of a sudden, they can confuse him in the next moment as a ghost. And, you know, a ghost symbolizes death. Jesus symbolizes life. To miss God and think he was a ghost? See, being tired, being human, being weary from rowing all night, it didn't change who Jesus was, but it actually changed how they saw Jesus. See, being weary, being tired can actually change how we see Jesus. In our noisy world, could our ability to forget we are human, our weaknesses, to forget that, you know, this need to always be busy, that we always need to be doing something, that we're chasing success and we're chasing these things and we're trying to be super Christian. Could we be mistaking at times Jesus for a ghost? Could we be missing him? I think Jesus would want us to see our humanity, our weakness, our frailty, and instead of ignore it, know that we need rest, because he did. Because if we if not, I don't think we'll see divine Jesus correctly if we can't see human Jesus correctly, if we can't come to grips with our humanity, that we need rest. Look, look at Thomas. Again, no one is tout- doubting Thomas. And he's called to be a disciple. He isn't mentioned a lot, but there's, there's three circumstances I want to bring to your attention tonight about Thomas. And the first one is when they're with Jesus. And Jesus finds out that his dear friend Lazarus um, is sick and dying in Judea. Judea was a place where they just were, and the Jews were trying to stone Jesus there. And so they, he says, Jesus is like, "Let's go back there and see Lazarus." And they're like, "You're gonna go back there and die and be stoned." And Jesus is like, "Lazarus is sleeping," and they're like, "Okay, well he's got you know coronavirus. Let him sleep it off. He'll be okay. Get him a ventilator. You know." They're like, "It'll be okay," and he's like, "No, guys, he's dead." like he's dead and like oh and so all this is going on and in the middle of this moment thomas pipes up and he says to the disciples let us all go that we may die with him and he's referring to go with jesus to be stoned and die with him when i read this i always thought because I'm sarcastic at times, I'm like, he's being super sarcastic. Let us all go. We're going to die. You know, this sarcastic, funny thing. But the smart people, the commentators, when I read about it, they actually say he wasn't being sarcastic. He wasn't trying to be smart. He was actually showing his loyalty and his courage to say, Jesus, I'm going to go with you, even if it means that I die. That's that's incredible. And it, they, it says that they went there. And you know, he was the one, so they go there and and they see Mary falls at Jesus's feet, crying and tears and is moved. And the Bible says that Jesus saw her weeping and that he was moved in spirit and troubled. See, here's the reality that we see in scripture. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. And they watch the tears running down Jesus' face. The disciples get to see this firsthand. Jesus weeping. They witness human Jesus responding to the sadness. See, it's the reality that Jesus weeps in our pain. He's moved. He's moved in spirit and deeply troubled when we're in pain. He's a God of victory, yes. He's a God of the triumph. He's a God of the glory. He's a God who conquers death and sin and sickness, the burning bush, the glory of God, all these things. But he's also Emmanuel, God of with us. God with us in the dirt, in the mud, in the miry clay. God with us in the pain. See, Jesus weeps. And in the moment, he doesn't say, don't weep. Wipe your tears. Why are you weeping? What's your problem? He doesn't say some cute cliche or thou sayeth the Lordeth or something. He weeps with Mary. And I want to remind each one of us tonight, God is with you. And God is with me in the middle of this pandemic, COVID-19. God is with us. Life hasn't worked out like we thought. 2020 isn't in the plans like we thought it would be. Everything's changed. And it's okay to grieve tonight. It's okay to weep tonight. It's okay to put voice to the regret to the pain. You know, some have worked for graduations and they won't have their graduations this year. Many have to cancel vacations. Many, all these things that we never thought possible. Some are losing loved ones in the season and are sick with this virus we cannot see. This is not what we planned. It is hard. A week might have been good. Two weeks might have been good. But five weeks later, we're still in our homes, isolated. You know, I, I think of Psalm 23 and every funeral that I've, I think, ever been to has had Psalm 23 at it. And, and it's this one where, you know, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. And yet I'm reminded that David who wrote this Psalm, he never wrote it for his funeral. It wasn't read at his funeral. It was read in the middle of his struggle. It was read, it was what he wrote in the middle of his storm, of his tribulation, of his trial, of his life, in the middle of it. He wrote it when his boss was so angry, he think, you got a bad boss. He had a boss that was trying to kill him with a spear. That's when he wrote this. And, you know, we read these great victories of God, you know, Daniel in the lion's den and Meshach, Abednego, you know, all the the four guys are, the three guys in the fire and, and, you know, all these things are thrown in the fire. But I want to ask you a question tonight. When was God the most visible in those stories? In the moment they were the strongest when they had come out of the fire before they went in? Or when Daniel was actually in the lion's den, when the boys were actually in the fiery furnace. See, when we are the weakest, he is the strongest. We desire the power and the display of an all-powerful God. We want his signs, and we want to see him, and I, I pray this and want this and desire this, and we all do. And we pray these prayers, yet it is in the moment that we are the most human, that we are the most weak, that we admit our weakness, where God shows up all-powerful. When we are weak, he is strong. Romans 5, 6 says, when we are still weak, Christ died for that at the right time. I like how our good friend Nate Edwardson, he says, we pray for God to anoint us to leave the struggle, the trial, the battle, and he has anointed us to be in it. See, God is at work right now in the season, in the pandemic. God sits with us in our pain and our grief. And, And the biblical term for this is lament. See, lament is a way a person or a group experiencing some deep pain or sorrow move towards God, even if God may seem to be the cause of the suffering. Lament is a, is a biblical thing. It's, it's meant to, that God has provided to allow relationship with God to maintain and deepen the relationship when experience doesn't match the belief. See, God is big enough to deal with our doubt and our pain. You know, 42 Psalms of this, 42 of the Psalms are lament. 30 of them are personal laments. You know, I think of Psalm 22. My God, my God, David says, why have you forsaken me? My God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer. See, we live in a world that has an ideal mindset that you should be happy all the time. You should be joyful all the time. And if you're not happy, something's wrong. We have no space for lament. So if you're not happy, something's wrong. So you medicate, you get busy, you suffocate sadness. We silence depressing thoughts with anything and everything possible. But it doesn't fix the root. It doesn't address the issue. And sometimes in the pain and acknowledge that Jesus is sitting with us in the pain, God with us in the storm, in the regret, in the grief, in the pain. He can minister to the very root. Sometimes instead of trying to ignore it, we should pay attention to what our heart is saying so that God can minister right now, right there to that very pain. It's easy to fill this season with more Netflix shows or any kind of puzzle you can possibly get on Amazon or anything you can do. But I want to challenge you. Have you taken time to be human, to rest? Jesus rested. Have you taken time to to seek him so that you see him not as a ghost, but you see him clearly? To seek and that you will find him? To be okay with not being in control? To let Emmanuel, God with us, be there? See, he wants to sit with us in our pain, and he doesn't leave you or forsake you. Tonight, I want to share a story with you personal story, actually a very personal story. And as I thought about sharing this, I thought, well, at least I'm in my house. I can do it from the confines of my house. Um, but I've actually never shared this story public with anyone else before. And um, But I felt all week and I was wrestling and I felt God prompt me that I need to share this tonight, that it would help you. And, um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in Edmonton. I have amazing parents. They love God so much, and um, my dad has been really close. I've been really close to my dad. And he, when I was in university, my first year of engineering, he would drive me to school because he was early retirement and he was able to drive me every day. And so I got to help him. I got to do uh, property management with him at a young age. I got to learn a lot from my dad. He's someone that I look up to and I just a role model in my life. And he, I just love his heart for God we would be driving somewhere. And he's just so soft before the Lord. And he's just a steady, steady person in my life. And about eight years ago, my dad started getting headaches. Headaches that were dizziness, and we didn't know what they were, and went to the doctor, the doctor didn't know what it was. And as this progressed, we started to realize that my dad started to have some memory issues. He started to forget things. He started to mix up some things. Things that were so normal to him were not as normal and not as easy. And I chalked it up to old age because he's older, and I, I tried to ignore it, but Our family, after a while, went and took him to a doctor. And after many doctor's appointments, that I was there for most of them. He got diagnosed with dementia, a form of Alzheimer's. And that devastated me. Still devastates me, to be totally honest. It's so hard. Because here's my father that I love and look up to. And every single day I'm losing him. I'm I'm losing who he is. I'm losing his role in my life. I'm losing just the other day, you know, my fridge got broken and and I and I was fixing my fridge. I wanted to call my dad cuz my dad would be able to fix it in a moment. He'd tell me what's wrong and I and I couldn't tell him because he wouldn't understand. I I would go to these doctor's appointments with my parents and I would be there and yet I would come back into this house, this very house, and, and if these walls could speak to you, they would tell you the tears that I've cried, the things that I've yelled, the, the, the times that I've prayed. I've laid hands on him many times. I've anointed him with oil. Almost every time I'm with him, I believe that God will heal him and set him free and I still believe it and still contend for it, and I'm not gonna stop. But in the waiting of that, I come home to this house and I've cried many tears because it's so hard to see someone you love start to fall away, start to slip away. And in that moment, I began to find God in a whole new way. I began to realize Jesus was with me in this pain. He is still with me as I'm walking through this, as I'm navigating this, as I'm trying. I remember at a resurgence I was speaking and my parents were there and they're in the room and yet the whole time I'm thinking, I just want to protect my dad. I hope he I hope he knows where he is. He doesn't get lost. I saw him go to the washroom as I'm preaching, as I'm delivering, and I'm watching, I hope he I hope he finds my mom. I hope what happens if he doesn't and as I'm speaking I'm thinking of this. Because I felt like God, you know, is that thing like in Noah, where Noah's sons, one son exposed a dad, but the other one hid him. And I felt like God said, cover your dad, hide him. And so for a season I did that. Now tonight I'm telling you publicly, which is just crazy. Because I thought I could never mention it to anyone. But the reason I'm sharing it tonight is because Jesus has been sitting with me in this pain. Yes, it hasn't gone away, and I don't know why, and I don't know, but I keep praying and contending, but he has taught me something. See, I can come to a resurgence, I can go to a conference and preach and be anointed on a stage, but I wanna tell you that there's an anointing that happens in this room. There's an anointing that comes, but it's like I'm by a still water, and he refreshes my soul. As I confess that I am broken, and I confess my lament, I confess that I'm grieving my dad, as I confess that, in this house, I can tell you there's a presence that's not on a stage. It's a presence that's so sweet because it's that God with us, that Emmanuel. A few months ago, a dear friend of mine said, is God speaking to your dad in this season? I said, well, I'm trying to figure out what he's saying to me in this season. But when she said this to me, I started to think, what is God doing in my dad's life in this season? And so I start to ask the Lord, God, what are you doing in his life? I didn't hear anything, I didn't hear anything. So one day I'm driving my dad because he can't drive anymore and I'm driving him and I said, finally I just blurted, I said, Dad, what's God doing in your life in this season? And immediately my dad goes, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. He went into Thanksgiving and song and everything right in the vehicle And I just felt God say, he's putting a spirit of thankfulness, a thankfulness for me in this season. He's so thankful to me in this season. And it just melted my heart right there because God is also with my dad in this season. My dad is his son too. It's not just, it's not just, I'm not just God's son. My dad is also a son of a really good father. And when I started to realize that, it starts to release me from the burden that I've been carrying. I share this tonight to not share my story, but that it would help you in your season. That there's a God that sits with us in your brokenness. And maybe it's the pandemic, but maybe it's other things in life. There's a God with us. There's a God that teaches us to be human. And it's okay to grieve because he finds us in the sadness. He finds us in the brokenness. There's a real faith that comes in that struggle. He's a good father. And, you know, as we look back to the story of Thomas, the next time we see Thomas, we see him after the resurrection in John 20. And the disciples are all locked in isolation, (laughs) home afraid of being attacked by the Jews, and and they're lamenting the loss of Jesus. They're, They're isolated. And Thomas, I don't know where he is. The story doesn't say that. Maybe he's out getting burgers. I I don't know. He went out and Jesus shows up. He comes right through the door and he says, peace, be with you twice. And then scripture says he breathes on them. He breathes breath on them. And he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of of Jesus, It's the presence of a person. We will have conflict, but I believe tonight, Jesus comes to every home that is watching tonight, every home watching on the rerun, into my home tonight, and he speaks peace, he speaks peace. Where we're fearful of getting attacked from this invisible virus, he speaks peace. When we're fearful of the economics and of life, he speaks peace tonight. A number of years ago, I was talking to this movie director and i think because he knew that i was a minister or a pastor he he started to he was trying to apologize for the obscene uh, scenes that he shot in his movies and his tv shows and he started to go you know you know in order to show redemption you have to show the before you have to show the ugly you have to show the struggle the darkness i'll, I'll never forget that because peace is this nice fluffy concept on the mountain but what about in the storm What about in the valley? That's when you actually see the difference. That's when you see the redemption. When you see the contrast. When God in this season isn't making this disappear, but he's revealing his presence in a brand new way to us. There's more of him. There's a fresh encounter him. Not only does Jesus appear, but he breathes breath on them. It's the same breath that he breathed into the first humans ever, Adam and Eve, the Ruah of God. It's that same breath that he breathed that Ezekiel prophesied over those dry bones in a valley that seemed hopeless. It's that same breath, and it's the same breath that he breathed over the disciples, and it's the same breath that he breathes over us. When a virus that's attacking our breath tries to impact us, Jesus breathes on each one of us tonight. And he invites us to rest, a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit, tangible right now. They later, they tell Thomas, hey, Jesus showed up. You were getting burgers, bro, but you missed it. Jesus showed up like he's alive. He's resurrected, all this stuff. And he's like, Boys, I've seen enough conspiracy videos on Facebook. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm not going to believe it. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. But Jesus is so good. Jesus takes care of Thomas. Jesus knows that he has to show up again for Thomas. And there again, behind closed doors, eating some sushi, and Jesus comes through the door. He doesn't use the door the door comes through the door he is the door of life and he comes into that room and thomas is like i'm still doubting but then thomas touches jesus he encounters him firsthand he touches the sides of the nail pierced hands nail pierced hands and he said lord my god see questions are okay doubt is okay thomas doubted but he kept following see doubt led Thomas to follow not to flee I'm intellectual there are questions there are mysteries but if I can figure out God then he's not bigger than me see there are things I will never understand and I'm okay with that yet the reality is God sits with us I, I can sit in vulnerability and I can be hurt from the church but if I don't let it lead me to him or to follow him in a deeper way or find him then it actually leads me to myself and it actually leads me to more hurt. See, we see Thomas one more time in scripture. And you know, he's confined to a house again in a waiting room. Should I say the upper room in Acts 2. And he's there with the disciples waiting for the Holy Spirit to be empowered with mission, to have the power of Jesus and to go out and, and to be empowered to, to, to do, be sent and you know, ancient books and, and say that Thomas was actually a missionary that ended up going to many places in India, Kerala, India, was was commonly referred to where Thomas went and took the gospel. See, tonight, we are waiting. We are waiting for someone to send us out to life as usual, I guess, the doctors to tell us we can go back, or are we human enough to wait on the Lord to be honest about our disappointments, to be honest about our hopelessness, to be honest about our lack of control, our anxiety, our doubt, all these things, all these fears, and in the pain, know that Emmanuel, God with us, is actually sitting with us, weeping with us. He's sitting with us in our loss, in our lament, and he'll fill us with a breath like no other. Isaiah 40 says, those that wait on the Lord will rise up. Faith will arise in our hearts when we wait on him. Like Thomas, he believed. There will be a resurgence, I believe it. We're gonna come into our greatest season yet, but I believe he's calling in a season. Would we wait and would we know a God with us? Romans 12, two says, do not be shaped by this world, instead be changed. Within by a new way of thinking. Then you'll be able to decide what God wants for you and you'll be able to know what is good and pleasing to God and what is perfect. Be changed by a new way of thinking. God wants to change our thinking to be a new way in this pandemic. He wants us to emerge with a new way of thinking. You may say, how does this practically look? And I'm gonna close right away, but how does this practically look to see our humanity? You know, I think the word of God allows us to see her humanity. He was the word in flesh, the Bible says. See, the word of God, the Bible, helps you see your pride. It helps me see my selfishness. When I compare myself to Scripture, I, you know, John four twenty nine says God will show you yourself. See the word of God it changes a person. It transforms a person. It allows me to see my humanity and see who God is in it. See, we need clarity. You need vision right now. The the Word is a light. You get a light. It's a lamp unto our past. You know, Job said this, I want the Word of God over food. See, the Word won't return void. The Word will not fail. And the church might not be closed. But Jesus comes into humanity, past locked doors, into our isolated places, into our homes. And He speaks peace. And He breathes. You know, I'm reminded in Acts 6, it said when the word was preached, it says the word increased and the disciples multiplied. We're going to see a harvest when the word is read and the word is lived. And we're going to see that harvest that we're believing for. See, God came to show, came, became human to show us how to be human and trust him. Hope is a choice to trust in him tonight. And I want to give an opportunity if you're watching this live stream tonight, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the first opportunity to realize God with us. Jesus took a human body to save our bodies. He took a human mind to save our minds. He became, without becoming a man in emotions, he could not have rescued our hearts. And without becoming a human with will, he could not have saved our broken and wandering wills and give us purpose. Everything he assumed, he was able to heal and save. He became man in full so that he may save us in full. See, God with us. And I want to give you an opportunity in your home tonight to say yes to Jesus. That's why we're here. This is about Jesus. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my heart. It's why I do what I do. It's why we're all here. And tonight, he wants to come become the Lord of your life. And so if you're watching this tonight, and something in you says, I-, I need that. I don't know what it looks like. I want to I wanna challenge you. Would you pray this prayer after me right now in your home? Okay? If you feel just pray. Repeat after me. Jesus, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender my heart to you. And I ask you to come and to save me from my sins to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that I'm a new creation in you. I thank you, you are God with me now. And I receive your unconditional love right now. I thank you that you're setting me free from everything of the enemy. And I thank you that you're healing me and giving me eyes to see you tonight. In your name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I, I, I want to hear from you. In a moment, we have a prayer team that's going to be on a Zoom call. And we're going to go back into worship. But I want you right now, it's, it's on our website, liversurgents.com online. The, the link will go up on the screen. I want you to go right now to that Zoom call. I want you to go, and there's going to be two people that are going to pray with you. And they're just going to walk with you, and they they want to hear this. And so if you've prayed this prayer, please come. We want to connect you with a local church in your area. We want to give you the resources to, to start this wonderful relationship that you've started, because God is with you. We're going to head back into worship, and then Lori's going to come and share what we're going to do with the community time online. But... Before I do that, I, I just want to pray uh, a couple things. I just want to pray for our frontline workers tonight I just... I just believe that God would have me to pray and in the season we're in, I'm so thankful for those that are on the front lines that are trained and are have spent time in schooling to be able to deal with this pandemic and God is using them mightily. And so God, I pray over every frontline worker. I pray over every frontline worker watching tonight, but everyone we know and everybody in our health system. And I just pray, God, pray for an anointing that comes from you. God, I pray for cures and vaccines and research right now. God, I pray for those that are sick with COVID-19. I just declare health and healing over every person we know that's sick with a sickness right now. God, I speak your healing power over everyone watching that needs a touch tonight. God, I pray over my dad tonight and I declare healing over his mind and his body tonight. But I declare over everyone else tonight that needs a touch of God that only you can do. We declare your healing. We thank you, Jesus, your God with us. And that you went to the cross for every every pain and for every disease and for every ailment. And I just speak your healing power right now that you would move into every single home in Jesus' name. I also just want to pray uh, a peace and a breath to come over each person watching tonight. God, I thank you for your peace, that you came into that isolated room and you said, peace be with you. God, I thank you, you're declaring peace right now over every person. You're declaring peace right now over every situation. And I just pray the peace of God that passes all understanding. And I thank you for a fresh breath where Thomas was in the upper room, the waiting room. God, we are waiting. We are not just waiting to get out, we are waiting for an encounter with you. And I pray for new encounters with the Holy Spirit over every single person tonight. I pray for the tangible presence of God to fill every room. for every pastor that's watching tonight for every leader that's watching tonight as they're wondering how to lead how to pastor in this season I pray refreshing and I pray wisdom and revelation and strategy that can only come from that waiting room from that waiting God there's so much noise but let us hear your voice and no other in this season God I thank you that you are sitting with us in our lament in our pain in the things we go through that you've never left us nor forsake us that you were for us so who can be against us and I declare not not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God, that you would breathe your breath over every single one tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.